You're listening to Cam's Talk, a podcast brought to you by the service users and professionals from East London NHS Foundation Trust. A podcast where you can hear us discuss, debate and challenge issues around child and adolescent mental health in the UK. everyone and I'm delighted to introduce episode three of our series of CAMS Talk podcast discussing access to services from young females from an Asian heritage Um, and today we are joined once again by my colleague Helen and Safa. Hello. Um, we also have Roshni with us today. Hi. Eliza. Hello. And Shana. Hi. So for those of you um, that have listened to our previous two podcasts, we've discussed um, lots of different aspects of how services, uh, our CAM services can support young people from um, an Asian background. And today what we're going to look at is whether or not you guys feel that there's enough understanding and knowledge amongst our CAM staff in exactly how we can support our young people. Um, Helen, that's this is a subject that you, you, you're really passionate about, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I've really sort of enjoyed doing the podcasts and kind of getting an understanding and more awareness of, you know, from from our incredible young people of what that might feel and be like. And I guess kind of following on from that and this being our last sort of podcast, I kind of wanted to look at kind of, you know, things and improvements, recommendations, you know, that we can take forward as a service, um, as well as for the young people and professionals that might be listening into the podcast. Thank you. So um, I suppose my first question then is really, um, did you feel, obviously all all four of you have spoken about the fact that you're no longer using CAM services, um, but when you were being supported by um, the staff at CAMS, or actually this could be opened up to to other professionals that have supported you in your journey, whether that's, you know, a GP or people within your school. Do you think that they had enough um, of an understanding about how your needs might potentially be different from, from other people's? So I personally didn't feel as though, you know, um, my needs were any different to anybody else's in the sense that obviously everyone has their own needs but in terms of culturally like everyone was really you know um normal about it you know I appreciate them not making a big deal out of things just because you know that you don't know by looking at someone whether or not they're like religious or whether or not they're sort of they have a different culture to you so it was good that you know I'm sure they asked, I don't fully remember, but they didn't make a big deal about it just because of what I look like, which was good. You know, you don't want to feel as though they're treating you differently, which was a nice thing to not feel. Thanks, Shana. I wonder if anyone else has any comments to add. Should, you know, it might be that actually um, services don't need to... Um, 
not treat you any differently, but it might be, you know, should we ask, should we, do you not think we should be asking questions about culture and belief, Elisa? Um, I think I, I can definitely like relate to Shana's point to some extent about um, maybe needs not being so different. I've mentioned before how um, I definitely identify more westernized than I do South Asian. Um, I've grown up in a very white area and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then I've got to say, I think I appreciated the effort that was made by my safeguarding uh, kind of team, my safeguarding officer at school and also my therapist as well. Um, and the effort they made to try and educate themselves, I suppose. Um, in that, like, I, don't, I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, my therapist actually asked personally whether religion is a big thing for me, asked about culture, uh, made the effort to kind of ask, I can't remember if I've mentioned this previously not or not, but uh, made the effort to kind of ask about my family tree, but in terms of like, okay, so what's the name you give to like, your nan on your mum's side and your nan on your dad's side and I think that effort just is like it was I mean at least for me it was appreciated and I think my mum appreciated that too um because I think at the end of the day as much as I may identify more westernized I am still South Asian and as I've grown up more and actually come to university which is far more diverse than my kind of school and my hometown um I've definitely started to embrace my culture a little more I think I was quite ashamed of it if I'm fully transparent as a kid because nobody else is like me but meeting people now that are like me so when I look back on that I actually think the effort they made to educate themselves like to go out your way and actually say oh what do you call okay explain your family tree in terms of you know your your culture and and um from a Pakistani background I actually appreciated that and and I think one thing I've come across in some work I've done with other young people is that a young person that I met actually said something along the lines of um, the best uh, thing their therapist ever did was sit down in their initial assessment and say, okay, so I'm white and you're black. What is it that you want me to know? And what is it about your culture and about your background going forward through your therapy? What is there stuff you want me to address, things you don't want me to say? And I actually think that transparency is really valuable. I think actually there's no harm in being really upfront and um and saying you know maybe I don't as a as a professional maybe I don't know as much about um you know your culture your background so tell me about it you know make it because I think that effort from a young person's perspective is appreciated that if they're not educated they're trying to be but I think with kind of recent events people are definitely becoming more educated on the matter of like you know culture and background that, that's such an amazing example, actually. And I could see everyone nodding their heads and really agreeing with that. Actually, let's just let's just talk about it right from the start. Let's address the differences that are here. And just, you know, in the same way as I would with, you know, I, I'm not a therapist, but with any young person that I meet, if they if they, um, you know, have different um a different background to me or a, a different um religion to me then I I would welcome learning about that so Helen what do you think about that approach uh, yeah and I liked the suggestion at the end or, or sort of halfway through where we talk where you kind of suggested actually let's be transparent within our sessions and say actually yes there is a difference there is no harm in being transparent and being clear and being obvious you know actually there is that can be a difference and what can we do um to learn about that so I found that quite empowering listening to that because as a therapist I will take that forward I just kind of wanted to touch a little bit on from what you said in that 
have you guys ever been kind of stereotyped because of your ethnicity? So going on from that question. Lisa? Yeah, so um, whilst like that was really appreciated, as I mentioned, the effort made by my therapist, safeguarding team, whatever, to um, learn more about kind of my background and stuff. Um, and this is in no way like, this was not malicious in any way. My therapist and safeguarding team, they were not um, racist or anything like that. But this is this example I'm gonna give is just, I guess an example of lack of understanding and, and maybe quite, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. And maybe kind of, um, yeah, I guess, less knowledge about it. So um, I opened up about something in therapy and my therapist made this comment, which still like I remember now, and it was something like, oh, but isn't that typical of your culture? So I was talking about a certain person in my family, something that had happened, um, their kind of behavior, I suppose. And then my therapist in response to that was like, oh, but isn't that uh, typical of your culture? Isn't that something to do? Isn't that something very normal of your culture or something like that? And it wasn't, it wasn't something that I would like to think it basically it wasn't a good thing and um and in that respect that kind of comment and I do remember my safeguarding lead as well making a comment similar at, at one point um and I and it sticks with me because I, I remember after that comment was made I was reluctant to open up more about that part of my family that kind of that thing which actually I think now I realized was a massive part of kind of uh, my anxiety and actually exploring that in therapy would have been probably really helpful but I didn't because I was like oh well if that's what I, I don't want to paint my culture in a bad light I don't want people thinking that this is what South Asian people are like or whatever and so in that respect I was more self-conscious and uh, I think I was less I was more apprehensive to kind of talk about that aspect that aspect of my family and kind of like my yeah my life um so in that respect, stereotype to an extent, I think. So that actually really proves the point, doesn't it? That, you know, it, it, it is about, and as you say, I'm sure that wasn't deliberate and I'm sure it wasn't it wasn't intended to be in any way um, offensive, but it, it does just show that, you know, you do have to be careful, don't you? Because the one thing that you don't want to do is um, to alienate anyone in any way. And I think going back to your point about being transparent, you know, and actually I, I think there is something, you know, very noble about somebody holding their hands up and saying, I don't know everything. I don't, you know, I'm not an expert in that field. Can, can you help me? Can you educate me? Will you share things with me? Um, Safa, you're nodding. Do you think that's a good way of approaching some openness in the conversations that young people have with their therapists? 100%. Like with my therapist, she was very open. She wanted to learn more about my culture. Like I really enjoyed talking to her and like explaining to her and teaching her about my culture and stuff like that. Like especially like drawing out the family tree and explaining how I'm related to certain people and stuff. It was really nice and like she would explain that I don't have a family as big as yours and I was like yeah this is because it's an Asian family you know <laughs> we're, we're a big family but um, it was really nice that she was willing to like listen and learn and just have a laugh sometimes and stuff like that it was really inclusive I feel like and 
my experience um, with the whole culture, um, like talking about culture, I've always been open about it. And um, she's always like said to me, if there's certain things you don't want to talk about, we could just move on, um, which is something uh, that made me feel really comfortable and even open, open up more than before. Um, so, yeah. Thank you, Safa. I don't know, um, Roshni or Shana, did either of you have anything that you wanted to add to that? Any examples of um, things that, you know, did make you feel that people had a good knowledge or? So personally, I think that, you know, that question about cultural beliefs should be open to everybody, not just people that you think is far from a Bain background so whilst I appreciated them not making a big deal about the fact that I was a person of color it would have been nice if it was just standard tasks so do you have any like beliefs that you think we should know about you know should we explore them because you know that way everyone even if you're um super religious or super non-religious you have a chance to sort of say exactly what it is that you know you believe and we'll then hopefully make therapy a little bit easier yeah. yeah, and I completely agree. Um, yeah, as I said, I wouldn't say I've experienced any um, discrimination um, because I'm Asian. But again, going back to that initial assessment, being asked in the first place, I don't think I was ever asked. I don't think culture was ever brought up. And actually, that was a really big underlying issue um, because of, you know, stigma and things like that. Um, and if that was asked initially, I think opening up would have been a lot easier. Um, and it only came midway through my treatment, I remember, is we were doing meal plans. And one of my meal, the week's meal plans, the food was very bland, very English, and I love spicy food. Um, and so my dietitian said, okay, let's have, like, you can have curry, like, once a week. And that was such a nice I don't know, appreciation, like remembering, yes, um, culture is still important to me, but it's not the definition of me. Um, yeah, just li little things like that, not having a huge focus, um, but just remembering, not just at the initial like care plan assessment, but throughout treatment too. And that's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that with us. So you're actually saying then that it would have been more helpful to address your um your culture right from the start yeah because it was just an elephant in the room because it wasn't a normal um assessment if that's yeah it wouldn't it wasn't a normal family assessment I would I would say because of the stereotype and the stigma around things um and if somebody just had the confidence to say look we know that there may be an underlying issue here. Would you like to talk about it? I think we would have chatted about it, um, but that never happened. So, I wonder whether we, I think assessment is a good point to ask. And I wonder whether or not as all clinicians, we, we do do that. Um, but actually, I also wanted to kind of think about some of the um, celebrations and um, for example, fasting and those sort of cultural events that actually have a big impact um, on mental health. And I think as clinicians, we kind of override some of those big cultures, uh, big, big um, events, um, which are really, you know, um, important, but can have a significant impact 
impact on mental health for example eating really late at night um, and not having sleep and kind of, that has a big impact on mental health and I think as clinicians we we should become more familiar with those sorts of special dates in calendars and events I don't know Nikki what are your thoughts absolutely I agree a hundred percent that's it is so important and I I think you know I think that's there's such a huge point that's come out of this discussion today is that you've all said yeah let's talk about it right from the start you know I know that on our initial assessment forms or our, our original the referral form that comes in we do ask for um ethnicity and religion um to be completed on the form so uh, so why not our you know um therapists when they're going through that form you know that's an ideal opportunity so I see here that you've you know stated that you you know have this religion or that you don't have this religion can you tell me a little bit about this what are the relevant because I'm sure that there is um you know, I will hold my hands up and say that I'm definitely not an expert mm. in knowing when certain religious celebrations take place. Um, and um, I, I'm sure that I've got colleagues that would agree with that. Um, Safa, what do you think of that idea of? I think it's really important um, to address those, I guess, festivities and the religious I guess um, dates that kind of do need to be remembered because I feel like fasting is very hard for a lot of people with mental health um with me I've always fasted um I think last year's fasts were probably the hardest ones and I spoke to my mom and I was like look I'm finding it really difficult I'm not taking I had to alter the time I was taking my medication and stuff like that and I'm like I'm finding it really difficult and I'm not sure if I can keep doing it and she was like, okay, look, like, see how it's going. If it's not, then it's fine. You don't have to do it. Like, you're, if it's making you feel not great, if it's not helping you, that's fine. Just remember the whole point of fasting, um, which really meant a lot for my mum because it was like she understood and she took it on board and she 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 didn't make me feel guilty. And obviously when you're, you want to fast really badly, but you can't, you do have this sense of guilt. But um, I think it's definitely important for therapists and people within camps to, I guess, understand more about each religion's, um, I guess, um, important dates and stuff that mm. need to be remembered and also how those things can affect mental health or how mental health can affect those things. Because I know that, I mean, I've previously worked in education and obviously, you know, I, I recall around exam time just how difficult that was, you know, because exam time tends to fall around, you know, a lot of um, the celebrations that are taking place, a lot of fasting. So you've got so many different factors involved. Um, you know, you've got the stress of exams. If you've got additional, you know, mental health issues, if you're fasting, you, you know, there's so much pressure, isn't there? And it's actually we had you know that I know that in education they do make a lot of allowances and they do um they do really trying to encourage um more um discussion with families around you know just how how a young person can be best supported during that time so I wonder whether that's scheduled into our assessments that what does yeah what does 
those festivities mean and what dates are significant and maybe putting them into a bit of a care plan so that we're reminded of those um, and reviewing that in a sort of you know formal process yeah I think that's a that's a definite um, point that we can take back Helen to yeah. to our um, senior teams and try and incorporate into our work and you know um, obviously we're dealing with people from all different cultures and all different religions and you know so there's so many different um, festivities to be aware of throughout the year but that's that's um, yeah such a good point Elisa. Yeah, no, just on that note, I suppose, um, kind of linking back to the whole thing I said about just a professional being really open with their young person about their culture and that kind of thing. So it really ties into that. And I love that idea. I think that's such a nice idea to actually, from the start, and from the get go, be like, okay, Diwali, Ramadan, Eid, whatever it may be, actually acknowledge it. And I think there's actually no harm in, um, as a professional, even like, I think, I, I mean, some young people wouldn't appreciate it, but some would, and maybe it's just about finding that out because every young person's different. But even let's say you're halfway through therapy and maybe you've seen on the news that it's Diwali and you know that your young person that you're, is Hindu or you've seen that it's Eid and you, the young person you work with is Muslim, perhaps mentioning in a therapy session close to that time. Oh, so like, did you guys celebrate Diwali? Did you celebrate Eid? Did you want to talk about it? How was it? Was it, tell me about it. What is it? And I think, not only in that respect is a young person able to educate should they choose to, but they can also talk about it more and how it's affected them, how, um, yeah, how they found it, all that kind of stuff. And I think I think that actually develops a therapeutic relationship too, um, which is a really positive thing. And it builds a good foundation for the remainder of the therapy as well. So being fully transparent, like, tell me about Diwali, tell me about Ramadan, tell me about Eid, what is it, what do you do, how was it? Because I actually think my therapist did that, I think, and it's a really cool thing, so. Um, also, just to add on to that point, um, you see, actually, I've seen a lot on social media and also within CAMS itself that um, over Christmas, over the Christmas uh, period, a lot of people struggle more with their mental health. Um, and that's no different most really for people of Asian backgrounds too. Um, for, again, from an eating disorder perspective, the massive focus on food in things like Diwali and Ramadan, that can be really, really difficult for people. Um, also, again, um, general like mental health um, and emotions, like, you know, the families coming and going and meeting lots of new people, it's it would be nice to um, incorporate that too. Yeah. Thank you. And I know I'm guilty of that. We've been discussing doing a podcast around um, how young people really struggle at Christmas. Um, and you've just highlighted the fact that we could have done that podcast, you know, a couple of weeks ago when it was Diwali and had had the same focus. So, um Thank you, because you've you've made me sort of really think about, you know, how we can, you know, and that might be a really good way of um, encouraging more discussion um, and actually um, attracting a different audience to listen to the discussions that we're having, because we could be um, having that focus, you know, so thank you for that, Roshni. Um, 
so I suppose the next question is then what how how do we so you've given us a really good point actually and Helen and I will take that back we will we will yeah. raise that with yeah. our teams is there any have you got any other suggestions of things that we can do um to maybe raise awareness yeah or reach out you know to young people or quite yeah Safa. Um, so definitely doing, I guess, uh, specific advertisements, um, I guess, uh, reaching out to people where, you know, there are a lot of young females um, that attend a certain maybe youth group or a certain school where there's a high uh, number of um, uh, BAME, um, I guess, the, the BAME community. Um, I guess reaching out to those specific um types of places and also online you know social media is really powerful these days um technology is advanced so far you get personalized ads you get um advertisements so hopefully if you can create something in the sense of that and um i guess target people who are who are looking up um stuff to do mental health or if they're struggling um we could kind of uh provide something for them to look at and maybe hopefully um see them uh refer themselves or get referred uh to a service so i suppose what you're saying then safra is if we had um more resources or um links to things that young people from different all different ethnicities and backgrounds would find more relatable um then that might help yeah, definitely. I feel like seeing someone who maybe looks like them, um, probably feels like them as well, and um, just seeing that kind of dynamic um, would, I guess, push them and give them more of that hope that, you know, there is a way out and I'm not always going to feel like this and things will get better slowly. Um, I feel like that's the main goal um, that we can try to get to and um, just being able to provide a more diverse, um, I guess, diverse advertisement or just diverse something for them to look at and feel like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And I look like that person too. Like that makes me feel really comfortable. Thank you. That, and that's a great idea. And actually, as a trust, East London Foundation Trust is obviously based in areas that are extremely diverse you know um we we cover services in Luton and Bedfordshire but obviously as the name suggests East London and um we're doing a lot of work at the moment on our website in developing new resources and you know I think you're right having having a representation you know somebody that people can relate to would would hopefully um really help us in reach out to different communities so I suppose um that's a great idea you know the representation on the on websites but it's not just our organization is it I mean I don't know if anyone's got any examples of uh, either really good or really bad sort of um you know uh, resources that they've seen because I know that you know I've come across um leaflets that might be might might look to be extremely tokenistic in that that you know they've done such a you know they've tried too hard to really represent every single you know diversity that there might be 
Roshni I don't know um yeah no I completely agree um we're not talking about everybody in advertising um being brown or black um because I think in some way that can almost exclude you even more and make the issue more apparent um but for example a lot of the stuff that you see um beats um representation like of anorexia is a very slim white female uh, teenager and we're just a little bit more diversity within um such adverts would make um opening up and um general you know just acceptance and feel like you know you'll you too can have an issue like this um better yeah yeah I completely get that because it is it would it would make then young people be more willing to ask for help if they could see that they weren't the only one that was you know in that situation um and I think that's a really good example Roshni um that you've raised there um and I know there's a lot of work being done to raise awareness of how eating disorders can affect anyone um male female you know, young, old, and from all different different backgrounds. And I think that's so important that you've raised that. Um, and I wonder, um, going back to Safa, how you, you talked about how it would be really good to have things that are more relatable. What sort of examples? How, how can we do that? Um, so one example um, could be just following someone in the day of the, their life, you know, be someone that just looks like them, maybe does the same thing as them, studies, um, goes out with friends, something that just normalizes mental health, I guess, because it's, it's part of, mental health is part of my life, but it doesn't take over my whole life. There's other things that I enjoy. I enjoy going out with my friends. I enjoy playing the guitar. So I feel like an advertisement that centers around you're going through a hard time now, but there's so much else outside, you know, there's so much else happening and you can get help for it. Um, it's just kind of, I guess, not normalising to a point um, and also just giving them an idea like, look, a person who, you know, does the exact same thing as you, is from a similar background as you, is, you know, struggling with mental health as well and they've gone out to get help and they're learning more about their mental health and they're just... Um, living living their life at the same time I like that idea Nikki is that something or and Safa is that something that can be worked on or yeah I, I think that's a great idea so it's just yeah someone's journey of how they've overcome um the struggles that they've had to face and and this is me now and a bit like you know you you've all done that you've all spoken of that in this podcast which is you know fantastic you've all acted as those personal role models so if anyone would be prepared to sort of maybe do some sort of journal about it and you know we to be supported by you know photographs or whatever I think that that would be so powerful Thank you. Okay, so drawing to an end then, I just want to say how how much I appreciate all of the the um 
things that you've shared with us and all of the discussions that we've had over these three podcasts. I know they've been fantastically received um, by our colleagues across different sectors, our CAM staff and our young people that have listened to them. Um, Helen, I wonder if I can just come to you and just ask if there's um, anything else that you, you wanted to hear from our young people. In Yeah, I, 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 one thing I wanted to kind of ask as well as kind of like an ending, um, I mean, you're all really incredible and it's been an absolute pleasure and I know we've had laughs and things. It's been an absolute pleasure to meet you all and kind of listen to your journeys. Um, and take on some of the advice and suggestions, which I think has been really powerful um, and quite moving within the podcasts. I suppose what I, I suppose as a sort of final thing, I'd kind of like to look at kind of what your personal messages would kind of be to probably people that are listening out to this podcast, include like whether that be a young person, professionals um, or and or services. Have you all kind of got a personal message or, or kind of encouragement? Safa, if I can come to you first then. Yeah, I'd say that when it comes to mental health, it's not about your race, religion um, or your gender. It's it's just about going out there and getting help. And I know it's harder for some people than others, but some people do care and they do want to help you. It just shows that you're a stronger person. Thank you so much, Safa. Elisa, can I come to you? Yeah, I guess my takeaway message would be kind of what I've already kind of said and has been like kind of articulated. Um, just that I suppose from like a professional capacity, feel free to ask about religion, culture, background with the young person. Like everyone's different. So obviously if the young person really doesn't embrace religion, culture, it's nothing to do with their life or they don't identify with it, leave it and just you know ask is a religion an important thing for you and if they're like no nah, not at all cool we won't touch on it again but you know if, yeah actually explore it be transparent about it and don't don't feel like you have to know as a professional know the ins and outs of the culture and the religion learn about it with the young person almost like a collaborative collaborative learning thing um and I think the young person will appreciate that transparency too so for professionals I think just be open and honest and ask questions and really yeah don't 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 hold back I suppose in terms of when um, exploring culture with a young person that wants to bring their culture into their therapy because of like taboo stigma or fear um, and then for young people I'd just say if you know it is something you worry about what will your family think what will people think um, similar to, to what I did or yeah um, or even like will I be will like my uh, diagnosis or my need to go to therapy will it be accepted all these kinds of like concerns I'd just say maybe just have some faith that your family love you and they'll be there and they will you know um you know we've come so far in terms of like societally as well that you know um I think you have to have a bit of faith that you know hopefully the people around you Will support you because they love you so I just say don't hold back in terms of getting help or struggle alone out here that would be my take on it I think. Thanks so much Elisa. Roshni? Um, I don't think I can add anything more to that. as I said you put it together so well but I guess 
in general this podcast you know I've learned that we are all so similar so don't feel alone on this I before I did this podcast had no idea that you know how similar the experiences that we've all had had been um so yeah but I can't put it any better than Safra and Elisa have so thank you Shana any anything to add it's always tougher being asked the question at the end because everyone's always covered it all, haven't they? They're just like, leave me something, please. <laughs> I would probably just say, you know, it doesn't matter massively what, you know, you believe as long as you're getting the help that you need and prioritising getting well, I think. Yeah, that yeah. that's yeah, I'm not absolutely nothing I can say. <laughs> absolutely thank you well I think Helen we I've I've certainly learned so much and you know I'm Mm. sort of and I'm sure you have as well I think the one thing I'm going to take or one of the things that I'm going to take for this is actually it's okay to show that you you know you don't have um you don't know everything but it's it's okay to show a little bit of ignorance every now and then but actually it's about working together to um to have an a mutual understanding yeah and for me I think it's about I, I like the transparency being really clear and also I I kind of going back to the dates and particularly because this podcast is particularly around a Christian religion of of Christmas um, that actually it has brought home you know the other festivities that perhaps I'm not always aware of and I think that's really important at this time of year to think about other cultures that way and that's something I've learned and will take away. Thank you. Well, thank you so much to everyone. It really has been a pleasure working with all of you over these three podcasts. And um, thank you for your time and thank you for your openness and your honesty. Um, And take care and stay safe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Cams Talk, a podcast brought to you by the Luton and Bedford Cams team and the Luton and Bedford Service User Participation Group. If you'd like to hear more from us, just go over to camstalk.com and subscribe. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms that you're using. Once you've subscribed, you'll get notification on your device every time we release a new episode. If you want to comment or share your views, you can contact us on Twitter using at camstalk or you can send us an email using info at camstalk.com. One last thing before we go. Don't forget to use the hashtag CamsTalkPodcast whenever you comment on social media. We'll speak to you soon.